Children's Ministry Monthly, a podcast focusing on the needs of everyday children's ministers. Hi, this is James, uh, your host of CM Monthly, Children's Ministry Monthly. This is a uh, mini-cast, part five of who knows how many, on the topic of discipline. Um, last time we talked a lot about consequences. I'm sorry, not consequences. We talked about enforcement. We talked about the importance of enforcing our rules. If you don't enforce them, you might as not well even have them. It also uh, reiterated that we need to have rules that are practical, that are enforceable. And, um, you know, idle threats and verbal warnings, endless mercy and grace and sloppy agape is not going to get anybody anywhere. Uh, we have to make um, rule breaking uncomfortable for kids. We're going to talk about consequences. Uh, consequences for doing wrong. There has to be consequences. There has to be something that makes kids uncomfortable. Um, it, it's, it, and that's because um, there is a benefit to sin. Okay? There is a benefit to being bad. There is. Initially. Now we know there's a consequence. But guys, it, it, if it wasn't tempting, it wouldn't be called temptation. Nobody would ever become a druggie if it wasn't so fun to do drugs, okay? Nobody's wanting to be a, a stoned-out crackhead. Nobody starts with that in mind. You get there eventually. So in, in, our, in our world, no kid wants to be the, the stinky, mean kid. They're acting out like that because of some other reason. Um, but there's a benefit in them, in there for them. Somewhere in there, that behavior is being rewarded. And they enjoy it. Even if it's negative attention, they're still getting attention. Let me give you a very practical example. All right. If, if I'm a child, okay, and I don't want to do my homework, okay, the punishment, one possible punishment would be being sent to my room, okay? Um, big deal. That is not a consequence that outweighs the benefit. What was the, what's the benefit of being bad in that situation? I don't have to do my homework. I would have had to have done my homework in my room anyway, but now I'm in my room being punished and I don't have to do my homework. It's awesome. So have I learned anything? Absolutely not. We have to find a consequence for that uh, disbehavior, misbehavior that makes doing homework sound like the smartest idea in the world. You know what I'm saying? Because on the other hand, there is sometimes a punishment for being good. Dieting is a great example for us grown-ups. <laughs> so what we need to do is we need to talk about consequences in the in the context of a ladder. Okay, I have something called a consequence ladder, and you've heard me mention that on some of the previous shows. And uh, a lot of times, the reason why I set this up was not just for me because I'm a dude and I have temper, you know, uh, but because a lot of people don't know how to discipline, and my people, my workers. Don't know, and I wanted something consistent. Even if the rules change a little bit classroom to classroom, the consequences can always be the same, and the kids can count on what's going to happen to them all the way across the board. No matter what their teacher is, no matter what class there is, the consequence ladder works. And it works, I set it up with the idea of working with kids that have parents going to church, parents that just drop off, and then the kids that come in on the buses. It works for all of them. And uh, we'll talk about what happens when it doesn't work. But for the most part, it does. For It's not worked for like two kids in six years. Consequence ladder. Uh, the other reason why I set it up is because sometimes we go full force. The first or second time a kid goes crazy. And here's what we do. 
kid taps his pencil on the desk. And we tell him, stop it. Stop it or I'll call your mama in here. And then he taps his pencil on the desk and you realize, I'm not going to call his mother in here for tapping his pencil because I will sound like a crazy person. So I probably shouldn't have said that, but I did. And now that kid has you over a barrel because you threatened him with the biggest thing possible and now you've got nothing else to go to. And you're not even going to do what you said. So that kid has won. He is the champion. He has beat you. He is the pencil-tapping fiend, and you are never going to get control of your class. So the consequence ladder will help you a lot. And I've been there. I've done that, and it's horrible. So I hope you got a kick out of that. Okay. Here's the consequence ladder. And then we'll go through our, de- our, our, our pencil-tapping uh, example one more time. Um, okay. Some children, let me say this. Some children make it to the first or second step in this ladder. And most of them, uh, don't make it to three. Uh, Most of them stop right at consequence three. Um, but eventually what happens is every single step in this ladder has a greater and greater consequence. And eventually for each child, we find the limit of the benefit of their sin. Okay, it sends a strong word, but you know what I'm saying. A kid say is talking during worship instead of worshiping. There's a benefit to that because I don't have to be disciplined. I don't have to lift my hands and maybe look silly in front of my friends. I don't have to focus. I can talk to my friends about video games, and that's more fun. Okay, so I have to find the consequence that outweighs that, that makes that sound more fun than what I was doing, which was talking to my friends, exaggerating the consequences of dis of misbehavior and exaggerating the benefits of behavior. Here we go. Verbal warning is our first consequence. Um, and I have a little breakdown for each one of them. I remind the child of the rule they're breaking. Hey, remember, there's quiet times. We're supposed to be quiet and you don't have to uh, you don't have to stay. I'm sorry. You don't have to sing. You don't have to clap. But if you're not talking to God, please don't talk. So I remind them, tell the child the behavior you need to see. See, we don't just correct. We redirect. There's energy there. They're talking to a friend. They need to be redirected. I need you to look up for eyes to the front and, if, and, and you need to be singing right now. You need to be clapping. Okay, you need to be participating. That that's what your mama brought you for. Tell them that what the next step of the consequence ladder is going to, or tell them what step in the consequence ladder they're on. And then tell them where they're going next. Okay, that's important. So I tell them, you know what, bud, this is your verbal warning. Next time you're gonna be in timeout. Okay? You're eight years old. So you're gonna be in timeout for eight minutes. Okay? So so straighten up. Quit talking. So let me go through that again. First one is verbal warning. Remind the child of the rule they're breaking. Tell the child the behavior you need to see. Tell them what step of the consequence ladder they're on, and then tell them the next step uh, if they don't change. Okay. Step two, of course, is timeout. Here's here's my basic rules on timeout. Timeout is not sitting in the corner like back in the day. Okay. I move the child to a timeout chair. It's usually in the back of the room, or it can be a couple rows back from where the most of the kids are sitting. It's basically separating them out, but not making them a spectacle in the front of the room and not putting them out in the hallway by themselves. That's not even safe. Uh, It's putting them where they can still see what's going on. They can still observe and get something out of the service. Uh, They're not the central focus of the class themselves. It's not a tool of humiliation. I I used to use something, and I hate to say it, in, in a middle school service, I used to use something called the diaper chair. And I put a diaper in the chair, and the kid that was being bad had to sit in it. It was terrible. Oh, oh, help me, Jesus. Don't do that. It's funny, though. Tell the child how long they will be in the chair. And briefly remind them why why they're being disciplined. 
uh, asking a child why they're in timeout is not appropriate and it opens the floor for argument. Simply tell that child while they're being disciplined and let it stand. Do you know why you're in here? I didn't do anything. He hit me in the face and I told him that I was going to knock him out. No, no, you don't want to do all that. Tell him. I saw you talking. I, I gave you a verbal warning. You're still talking. You're in timeout. You're going to be here. How old are you? Six. You're going to be here six minutes. And by the way, if you haven't guessed, one minute per year of life is a great standard for how long they should be in timeout. Okay. Um, at the end of timeout, don't forget about them. Okay. <laughs> don't forget about them. Uh, but at the end of timeout, the worker, the same worker is going to approach the child in a spirit of forgiveness, briefly instruct them on the behavior that you now want to see, just reminding them what you said the first time. Tell them of the next step in the consequence ladder, okay? And uh, if necessary, invite them to re-enter the classroom activities, okay? Uh, you, you may choose to pray with them or encourage repentance if the situation and maturity of the level of the kid will allow. If it was something significant enough to where they really need to ask God to forgive them, you know, you can do that. It's it's on you. The third step in the consequence letter is a conference with the coordinator and or pastor. Okay? Um, you know, if it's if it's a, uh, a JBQ or Missionettes or Royal Rangers, I'm from the AG world, so that's my realm. Um, I have a Missionettes coordinator. If I'm not available, they can they can play principal. But basically, this takes it beyond the teacher, and it brings it out into because the teacher's already dealt with them twice, and it brings it out into upper management. And all of a sudden, you're bringing the principal into the elementary school class, and it's a big deal. See, we're getting serious now. So remembering the rule of three that we have in our children's church where there can't be any less than three people in every situation. Remove the child from the situation where the behavior is occurring. Alert the ministry coordinator or pastor of the behavior and the steps that you've already taken. Don't just drag a kid out to a pastor and say, well, you talk to him. You're going to sound like a housewife. You're going to be like, hey, kill him. He is being so bad. Tell him that you've done it. We put him in timeout, or we did a verbal warning. We put him in timeout. Now he's coming to you. Don't just drop that kid off and run. Um, you should buy, try to be present when the coordinator speaks with the kid. If you can't, that's cool. The coordinator will restate the rules, the expected behavior, etc. It may also be necessary to emphasize the need to respect the adults or the CM uh, children's ministry volunteers. I do that all the time. I'm like, when you're disrespecting him, you're, you might as well be disrespecting me because you, you know what? Those are my rules. They're just doing what I, if you're mad at them, you're mad at the wrong person. I, Pastor James, the funniest guy in the whole world, the person you love more than anybody, I'm the one that told him to tell you that. So you need to be good. The child will be warned that further misbehavior will result in a conference with the parent, which is step four. And a second timeout can be given if necessary. All right, so we're getting them consequences. Consequence four, conference with the parent. At this point, you as the volunteer, this is written to my volunteers, by the way, you as a volunteer are out of the loop. The pastor or ministry coordinator will act as a buffer between you and the parent. That may not always be necessary. But one of the one, when I was in college, I worked at a Blockbuster. And Blockbuster can have some really mean people come into it, especially even the nicest person can turn into a horrible person when you tell them they have late fees they didn't know about. And my manager was so awesome because he said the minute they start getting out of hand, the moment you feel like it's, call me and I will handle it. I will take that from you. And that was so rad. And I want to do that for my people. And so if they have a connection with the parents, that's fine. If this is a repeat offender, that's fine. But most of the time, I like to take on the discipline. That way it really embeds in the parent how serious this is. And after you see step uh, five and six, 
um, you'll know why I do this. Parents should be told about the behavior, the steps that were taken and the steps that will be taken if the behavior doesn't change. We do not suggest punishments. I do not make, uh, I don't make excuses for the kid. I don't apologize for telling the parent about it. I used to do all those things. I'm sorry. This is not really a big deal. But Billy, he he cut somebody's nose off with a with a butter knife. I, I, I I'm not saying you're a bad parent. I'm not saying I'm not making a judgment about you. Um, but I'm just saying we'd really not prefer we'd prefer that not happen again. Okay. So, you know, I don't know what you do at your house, but I would crack him repeatedly with a baseball bat until he cries um okay all right god bless you love you don't be mad at me bye you know no it's not that you don't you don't make excuses you don't exaggerate it you don't offer suggestions you tell them what the kid did period don't butter it up don't inflate it up and then you tell them about the expected behavior and you but but pastor mike my kids don't uh my parents don't discipline uh, that's why you'll love step five and six. Step five is that that kid is going to get a week off from my ministry, the offending ministry. Not all of them, just the one that they messed up in. And that parent's going to know that before this happens. Here's the reason why I jump from parent, parent conference with parent straight up to you're out for a week. Oh, Pastor Jess, I can't believe you'd take a kid out of class. What are they learning anyway? If you're getting to this point... That kid needs some intervention. He need, You need this kind of attention drawn to the situation. But why do I jump from that to this? I do it because if I go to that parent and the behavior doesn't change, then I don't have the support of that parent. And I move into disciplining mama and daddy. I move into parental discipline. You see me as a babysitter, apparently, because you're not willing to help me with your kid's behavior, so I am going to take away your babysitting. Now, you're going to have to get support from your pastor on this because that little knucklehead's going to be in church with his very angry mama. And don't think that you're going to get away with this without them trying to get you fired. Because most of the time, I find that when kids get to this step, there's a pretty good reason why that child is the way he is. It's because he's learned it from his mama and daddy. So the child is reset to the bottom of the ladder, though. And they ha until they reach step three for the same behavior or similar behavior... The pastor and coordinator will make the call to remove a child from the program, not my teachers. My teachers can't kick anybody out. I can. The pastor and coordinator will communicate with parents who will be told of the behavior and the terms and future consequences. Step six is the last step in this ladder, and it is one month off from the offending program. The offending program. The offended program. This works for bus kids, too. Why do you wait, Pastor, till step four to have a conference with the parent? Here's why. I needed it to work no matter what. If I had the parental accountability of a parent that's involved in service, if I had a parent that went to the boats, which is gambling here in Kansas City, if I had a parent that never even stepped foot in our church because of bus ministry, I needed it to work. And for my bus kids, I can't go bumping down the door every single time something goes wrong. Every time my unchurched kid acts like an unchurched kid because it's going to be easier. Pretty soon the, the punishments are going to outweigh the benefits for the parent and they're going to keep that kid home. I'm not going to have a chance. And with my church kids, the biggest gift I can give my church kid is a parent that had time to spend alone with God without having to be a parent for a little while. If that's all I did was be a babysitter, I would still be given a great gift. That's something I only really understood when I had a couple of rugrats of my own. 
I can't pull that parent out of service. God knows they deal with this kid all the time. Sometimes it's a single mom and she's tried everything with that boy, but she can't get him to behave. I'm going to try to help. I don't want to drag him in unless I have to. Here's the other thing. Let's go back through that, that, that thing I talked about at the very beginning, that example of Billy with the pencil now using the consequence ladder. You're going to sound like a crazy person if you come up to that parent all mad and frustrated and irritated. Billy won't stop tapping his pencil. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to quit. But what if you walk up to him and you wonder why they're defensive? Because they're trying to protect their child from this crazy Sunday school teacher that just came at them and talked about, I was going to kill him because he was tapping a pencil. But use the consequence ladder and here's what you sound like. Hi, miss, miss ma'am. Billy was tapping his pencil. Not a big deal, right? But uh, I told him to stop. Well, he didn't. And I told him to stop again and put him in timeout. He was in there for nine minutes because he's nine years old. You don't have to tell him all that, but... He was in there. We put him in timeout. We talked to him and we told him we need him to stop and pay attention that he was distracting kids. But unfortunately, Billy decided to tap his pencil again. I had to go get Pastor James. Pastor James took him outside with me and we talked to him and we prayed with him and we instructed him. And then I put him in timeout on the way back in because he, he, he had a little bit of an attitude. I'll be honest with you. Well, as soon as he got back to his table after another nine minutes, he started tapping the pencil again. And that's why we're here talking to you. Do you see what happened there? It, 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 you're not crazy anymore. You've laid the foundation. It's not about pencil tapping anymore. He disrespected his peers, his self, his teacher, and you. And if you add the part about we told him we were going to tell you, and he still tapped his pencil, then he's disrespected mom and dad too. You've laid a track of consequences down in front of that parent. You don't sound like you're insane. You sound like somebody that wants to teach class, has things under control. You have minimum standards, and the kid couldn't even reach those. He was tapping his pencil. He turned something small into something huge, and that kid's going to be in trouble. And at minimum, even the undisciplining parent is going to be embarrassed. Okay? Next time, we're going to talk about rewards because I have some concepts on that. This was a long one, but consequences are a big thing. Um, a lot of times you won't have to go to all the rewards. I mean, they're nice, but um, we're going to talk about that more in just in, in next time. Uh, my name is James Kennison. I'm Children's Pastor at Sheffield Family Life Center in Kansas City, Missouri. You can reach me at cmmonthly at gmail.com or go to cmmonthly.com to see our website and to check out our monthly podcast. This has been part five of a Who Knows How Long series on discipline. Peace. Peace.